Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting the movie E.T., the extraterrestrial on the big screen, accompanied by the symphony orchestra performing the score live, May 3rd and 4th at 7.30 at the Paramount. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. Today is Thursday. It's the first day of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Governor Kim Reynolds is among 21 Republican governors who are asking Congress to repeal the COVID vaccine mandate for America's soldiers. She says the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for the military creates a national security risk. Reynolds says it affects National Guard units at the state level as well and restricts governors' ability to respond to natural disasters and other emergencies. About 8,000 active duty soldiers who have refused to get a COVID shot have been discharged. As of today, 93% of Iowa National Guard soldiers have complied with COVID-19 vaccination requirements. That's according to a spokeswoman for the Guard. The Polk County Auditor heard arguments yesterday in a hearing challenging Iowa Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitfer's voter registration. We get the details from IPR's Katarina Sestarek. After redistricting, Whitver chose to run in a new district that excludes the Ankeny home he lived in for several years and still owns. He changed his voter registration in August to show the address for a condo in Grimes. Attorney Shayla McCormley says Whitver's voter registration should be canceled. She presented water bills. She says prove Whitver wasn't living in Grimes. Even if he minimally slept there, he brushed his teeth or go to the bathroom, something would happen. Even if he still chose to spend a significant amount of time with his family in their Ankeny home, there would be some indication that the property was used and not that it was vacant. Charlie Smithson, representing Whitver, says he moved to the Grimes condo on September 4th. He says utility bills and Apple Maps screenshots show the condo was used as his primary nighttime residence. The Polk County auditor didn't say when he'll issue a decision. Cedar Rapids police say they're still investigating an incident where a union worker was hit by a car while picketing Tuesday morning outside the Ingredion facility in Cedar Rapids. Union leaders of the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers International Union claimed a worker sustained minor scrapes. The 122 union workers at the plant went on strike in August and talks continue with Ingredion. No agreement has been reached yet. One Afghan refugee is giving back to his community after resettling in Iowa. IPR's Kendall Crawford explains Sheer Safi began his own organization to bring together Afghan communities and help them adjust to life in the U.S. When Safi was first resettled in Des Moines, he says he saw many Afghan families struggling to get food, get warm clothes, and enroll their children in school. People were struggling. The only one hope they had, they were like, the, they were just the resettlement agencies. Uh, they hope like they will help them, but unfortunately, it was wrong. So Safi decided to take it upon himself to help them. He began working with Des Moines Refugee Support to form his own organization, Afghan Partners in Iowa. The aim is to establish a community space where Afghans can get help on everything from transportation to financial literacy in their own language. He says the organization has helped more than 100 families so far. Safi was a guest yesterday on IPR's Talk of Iowa. And after being closed for nearly four years, the only remaining historic movie theater in Des Moines will reopen under new management in just over two weeks. The Varsity has underground a $5 million top-to-bottom renovation, according to Ben Godar, executive director of the nonprofit Des Moines Film, which now owns the venue. The building is uh, more than 100 years old, and so it's uh, you know, historic uh, preservation 
project first and foremost. So worked with State Historic Preservation Office to identify, you know, what are those key character-defining historic features. And so we had to absolutely work to preserve those features. Godar says they've maintained the movie house's unique original looks while bringing everything else into the 21st century. The structure is located right next to the Drake University campus. Opening day is Thursday, December 15th. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Drought now covers more than half of the continental U.S., and its ripple effects touch everything from the food we eat to the air we breathe to the water we drink. In one of the hardest-hit regions, the Great Plains, there's not much relief in sight. For Harvest Public Media and the Kansas News Service, David Condos reports. It's cattle auction day at the La Crosse Livestock Market in West Central Kansas. In a non-stop parade, thousands of giant animals trot through one gate and out the other from morning till nightfall. This is a common scene here in the heart of Great Plains cattle country. But what's unusual is just how many calves, heifers, and cows are packed into these pens. We're at 390 cows so far. Typically, it'd be half that much. Market owner Frank Seidel says the auction has sold roughly 12,000 more cattle this year than last. So why are so many ranchers clamoring to thin their herds? Drought, one of the worst on record. It's dried up grazing pastures across the state, leaving cattle with no grass to eat. Seidel says he's never seen it so bad. It's everybody, it's everybody. There's no one excluded from it. Everybody's having that, hard choices. Cattle producers from Texas to Montana face those same hard choices. And because so many have to sell their cattle months or even years ahead of schedule, there will be a shortage next year, which will mean higher beef prices at the grocery store. In the hallways outside the auction, rancher after rancher tells the story. I had to sell off my calves in August. Everybody's dealing with shortage of feed. It's dry has been since 1955 I was here. G.W. Johnston sold 52 of his cattle here today because there's no grass left on his land. Out of 60 years since I've been in the business, I've never run into it this bad. As climate change fuels more frequent, more intense droughts, it's hard to count all the ways this historically dry, hot, windy year is wreaking havoc. Just ask the person whose job it is to keep track, the National Drought Mitigation Center's Denise Gutzmer. I'm just swamped. (laughs) It just feels like my days never end. Deadly wildfires, choking dust storms, decimated harvests. In Missouri, the drought is cracking home foundations. In Minnesota, it's killing Christmas trees. Low water levels have shut down a hydroelectric plant in Iowa and stranded barges on the Mississippi River. When declining water levels at an Oklahoma City lake threatened drinking water for more than one million people, the city had to bring in billions of gallons from a reservoir 100 miles away. And as farmers pump more water from underground to make up for a lack of rain, some areas consider new irrigation limits. Nate Jenkins with the Natural Resources District in southwest Nebraska says it's a tough ask, but a year like this highlights the need to conserve. When it gets this hot and dry and windy, you know, I think some people kind of shake their head and say, Jesus is getting kind of ridiculous, isn't it? When's it going to stop? 
That is the question on people's minds across the Great Plains, as this drought barrels toward the new year and a rare triple-dip La Nina weather pattern is set to deliver a drier-than-average winter. On his family farm in southwest Kansas, Alex Miller-Shasky crouches next to a row of tiny wheat plants, no taller than the average lawn. Harsh, relentless winds batter the seedlings with dry, dusty dirt, surrounding some of them with small sand dunes. Just imagine yourself as a wheat plant planted in the ground, getting hit in the face all day by that sand, but it's so dry. He says the last time this field got a good rain was May of last year. His family's most recent harvest was the worst in at least five decades, and the prospects for this new crop look discouraging. Nationwide, winter wheat is in the poorest condition it's ever been on record, as the war in Ukraine and extreme weather around the world continue to fuel global food shortages. Miller Shasky picks up one of the seedlings and shields it from the wind. A short, scraggly root dangles below. These baby plants are holding on, for now, barely. But if his farm doesn't get some relief from the dry, windy conditions, they're not going to make it. It just kind of sucks because you're doing your best you can <laughs> and, you know, nothing's really working. But, you know, you just kind of got to grind through it and wait for the better days. For the Kansas News Service and Harvest Public Media, I'm David Condos in Gray County, Kansas. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Excret Nunez and Elizabeth Rimbert contributed to this report. It's a collaboration between Harvest Public Media, which IPR is a part of, and the Kansas News Service. This is here first from IPR News. Subscribe wherever you find your podcasts so you can listen every day. I'm Clay Masters.